You're listening to Stand Out with Ian O'Connell. Wednesday evenings from 8pm here on Radio Kerry. Now you're very welcome to the show tonight. I hope I find you well on this Wednesday evening. I have a feeling this show is going to be very interesting because this man has brilliant stories. I've heard him telling a good few of them so hopefully we'll get a few stories out of him that people haven't, um, that people haven't heard before. I'm delighted to say that my guest this week on Stand Out with myself, Ian O'Connell, is Irish independent politician and TD. He's known worldwide for his black flat hat, Michael Healy-Ray. Michael has been a TD for the Kerry constituency since 2016. He has a witty sense of humour, but when it comes to representing the people of Kerry, Michael is fully committed to the task at hand. Sit back and enjoy the show. Michael, thanks a million for joining me today. No problem, Ian. I'm very privileged to be allowed to be interviewed on your programme. I consider it an honour and I thank you. I always like to bring my guests back to, to their, their childhood growing up. Um, do you want to tell me a bit about what a young Michael Healy Ray was like growing up? What were you, your interests and stuff? Well, I suppose I was never what you'd call very academic. Uh, so what I was really interested always and and focused on was working and uh, trying to do things and trying to, you know, trying to imagine different types of work. And it didn't matter what it was. Once it kept me busy, I remember the Harringtons, a family here in Kilgarvan, they came to the National School one time looking for youngsters to go out cutting holly and bagging it because they were going exporting it to Holland. And uh, I thought this was the best thing ever. Uh, that you could actually go away and do a bit of work and get paid for it. I thought it was mighty. So uh, <laughs> I enjoyed that. And when I was young, I was work behind the bar. Uh, you run from the national school. And that was a time when there used to be people drinking in pubs at all hours of the day from, you know, creamery time on. And um, the door would always be open. And uh, again, you'd learn an awful lot serving points behind the, the, the counter of a public house, meeting terrible nice people and listening to their stories. I, I adored the forestry workers, the council workers. You'd know the different times of the, day, times of the day they'd come in. And if the day was bad, they'd be wet and cold and they'd enjoy a little drink, you know, because they deserved it. And they were after working hard all day, you know. They um something I worked inside in the the Clarny Park and they told a saying that I they said to me they said if you know how to pull a point you can go and work anywhere in the world. Well, of course it is, and I suppose anything to do with hospitality, it can be in a pub, a, a restaurant, uh, dealing with the public uh, behind the counter of a shop. Uh, it's a great experience because if you can do that. Should there's work for you anywhere in the world in after that? And uh, the one thing about work, I'd never be fussy about what I'd be doing once I'd be put at something and once I'd have something to do. You know, if you like working, you, you wouldn't be particular about what you would be at once you'd have a function, once you'd have a purpose, and once you'd achieve something and be tired at the end of the day. To me, that's a great thing. And, you know, it's it's a great thing and it's a thing that... Uh, every young person should be encouraged to work from a very early age, to be honest. Absolutely. When you were that age, you know, when you were younger, obviously your 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 dad was massive into politics and stuff. When did you what age did you kind of start to understand what his job was as a young as a young fella? 
I used to understand it when I'd hear a TD was dead in any part of the country. And God forgive me for saying it, but I'd be delighted because I'd know then that that had mean three weeks off of school because my father would be directing elections around the country. And when he'd be going, I'd be carried. There was a number of us that used to go to the elections. Uh, my father and, and me as a child, my job was the donkey work, putting up posters and doing all the sort of tasks that you'd be asked to do during an election. I will remember being above in Galway for Margate in Queen's by-election uh, and uh, falling off a pole and uh, tearing the corner of my mouth. I have a good old bit of a scar there all the time. I do not. I, I remember one time she became, after she was a TD, she was a minister, she was a European commissioner. And I remember one time sitting down with her and saying, do you see that mouth? And I showed her the corner of my mouth and I said, that was a battle scar I had after your by-election. <laughs> and uh, I remember we were there for weeks during her by-election and Donegal, Limerick, Dublin, a number of places. And do you know, was like that, it was a learning curve. I remember the, the, the education was a big problem to me at the time, but I remember John Wilson, God be good to him, he was a minister for education and he was a lovely man. And at night, he wasn't really into drinking or anything like that. And at night, we were staying in the same hotel and he, he was a great footballer himself. And uh, he used to take me playing football uh, late at night and, and we outside in the yard kicking ball to each other and uh, here was I a youngster missing out on school and I playing football with the Minister for Education at the time Do not, it was a sort of an ironic thing if you like if you think about it you, you, you couldn't write it so <laughs> you couldn't imagine it no to be honest yeah. was was this um, I suppose this career path was it always destined for you to go into did you always have a passion for politics well, I suppose I did. And when my father ran for the Dáil in 97, I, 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 he tasked me with being his director of elections for all of his general elections. And I enjoyed it because it was working with a most marvellous group of people, uh, many of them who are, who are still there uh, battling and walking the roads with us every day of the week. And uh, you're nothing in politics without the team that are behind you. You're nothing without the people in their areas. Whether it is north, south, mid, east or west, Kerry, if you don't have people on the ground that will tell you what you should and should not be doing, tell you what is and is not happening, you're nothing. You're nowhere in politics. I don't know how it works in other countries anyway. And I believe that the Healy Rays have what I would consider to be the finest political team. They're the most organised, most dedicated, most sincere and uh, an intelligent group of people from all sectors and from all walks of life, be it business, uh, industry, farming, uh, all the different facets of life, uh, housewives, uh, people working in all different types of jobs. And if it wasn't for those group of people, I or any other Hillary would be going nowhere in the county without them. As they say, it, it, take, it takes a village. Was it in 1999 you were first elected? Was it the Killarglen area you were? Correct. And uh, and I'm not denying in the world, it was a very difficult election. And um, there was uh, the great people that canvassed with me at that time and uh, and got me going in all of the different areas, uh, whether it was in um, in Mead Kerry and the Killarglen area itself, Timothy O'Sullivan from Kilgobleton, uh, Teddy Chubb O'Connor and uh, then down in South Kerry 
you had uh, Nicholas Brown and Tom Shea and uh, Brendan Gill and uh, John Joe Sullivan and all these different people and then up into Sneem, Jimmy Breen, who I remember put in a Trojan effort as well and uh, all of the different people in the different areas, Teddy McCarthy, who put in a massive effort and then back into Larrick and to assist Johnny Martin and, and Joe Roiney and all the different people who worked so hard and in Kilmer then in the town itself. Sean Jones and the excellent team. Sean is with me since the day I started out and, and, and he'll be with me until the day I go under the ground, please God. And in that electoral area, it was a terrible hard area to get elected. And just to, to, to emphasise how hard it was, a, a great man, a terrible, highly good man, um, Michael Moynihan was a Labour TD, a, a, a terrible sound, hard-working man. And he was actually a TD, and he that time you could be a councillor as well. And he ran in the in the Kilarglen electoral area as a TD, and he didn't get elected there because it was so difficult. But only for the team that were with me, I barely managed to get over the line with something I think like 90 votes of a of a of a win we'll call it now I know you could say one voted do you but you're like it doesn't work that way you know like you nearly have a heart attack if it was down to that but I had a very tight election and I remember my father saying to me after that election don't ever again put me through that he said in other words, improve and try and get better. But sure, you had to be given a chance to try and get better. But I was eternally grateful always to the people in that election who gave me a one, a two, and I think it was the ninth count I got elected on. So you must follow that now, like people who did went as far as giving me a five, a six, a seven, an eight, and a nine. Those votes actually mattered. And uh, there was terrible good candidates running against me or with me, whatever way you want to put it. And uh, I had a great respect for every one of them from, from other parties and none. And uh, they were all worthy candidates. But I was very grateful and humbled by being elected to the council. I adored every day that I gave on Kerry County Council. I, I will go to the grave praising our local authority because I believe our local authority from the top down to the men and women who work on the ground, whether it is in housing, planning, environment, all the different sections, to the people that are on our roads doing the work, the people that are taking care of the housing stock, all of the different clerks of works, every person that's involved in Kerry County Council, I believe they're a fierce team, a united team. And to this day, then, the members of Kerry County Council, again, from all parties and none, I praise every one of them because county councillors to me are a terrible, terrible, important uh, cog in, in the, what I would call society because they're really the eyes and ears of the people in, in each of the different electoral areas or municipal areas as they're called now. And I wish every one of them every good look and success in their work. Absolutely. In... in um. The, you were elected the Kerry South constituency in 2012, was it? Was that the same year that your dad retired? Yeah, in 2011, my father retired and I was selected to, to run instead of him. And, and, and a tough election it was because uh, it's hard to get going and nobody has uh, an automatic right to anything. And it was it was a gamble and it was a tough thing uh, to get going. And um, then the areas changed afterwards. And as you know, 
All of County Kerry now is the one constituency. Was it 2016? It was the, I remember reading, was it the first time that two siblings from the same constituency were elected together? It was, I think, into, I think that is a fact. I, I, I know you might have had brothers or sisters, maybe they would have been in the doll together, but they would have been standing in different areas. But that this was the first time that you had two people from the one house in the one constituency at the same time. I think that is a fact anyway. You know, I'm open to correction, but I think you're right. Yeah, no, I read I read that somewhere. All right. Something that I never understand how yourself or any other TD, your work schedule is absolutely out of this world, like you're constantly on the go. What, what do you like to do when you get, a, I suppose, a chance to wind down? Or do you get that chance every so often to wind down because... You're obviously such a, a busy man up and down to Dublin and stuff. But sure, look, everybody in their different roles of life. Tonight is a bad night, for example. And there's Kerry County Council, lorry drivers out, and they'll be out until four o'clock this morning and they'll be gritting the roads and uh, they'll only, you know, roll around and they'll be out again. You know, there's everybody that does their their work. I, I, I shouldn't be naming anybody, but... Another group of people, I'll give you an example. If you take KWD, a very fine business in Killarney, and if you take the workers, the drivers, the lorry drivers, I meet them in the morning. Anytime after half three or four o'clock, you'll meet the KWD lorries because that's the safe time for them to be out that they can go into housing estates and empty the rubbish bins and collect all the refuse. And they try and be, you know, they, they try and have the big weight of work done do you know, by the time people start going out, sure, they're great people. And, they, do you know, like there's people working in factories tonight and they're burning it from boatings. I know I always burn it from boatings. But, I, but like, look at the people working in bakeries. If we take Sullivan's Bakery or Harrington's Bakery in Kilardlin and in Kimir tonight and all the other bakeries in Kerry, and they up, they'll be, do you know, to the half nine, they might be inside in bed now, but they'll be getting up soon to go to work to make sure that there'll be bread on the shelves in the mornings, the, the delivery men that are doing, do you know, the watermen that go out when there's a water pipe broken this this Christmas day, for instance, if a pipe will burst and if there'll be a water break, there'll be some men out with a digger, there'll be men out with shovels, there'll be men out with vans with the connections that are needed and uh, you'll have the great teams of people. I know every one of them that go out and uh, the ESB, if our ESB, which it has done, the, I remember one time my poor mother and my, and my wife, and they were cooking a turkey here, and and the, <laughs> the electricity gave up, and the turkey was left half cooked, <laughs> and we had to bail out, and we had to go to a neighbor's house that had electricity, and I think we carried the half cooked turkey with us, and we finished cooking in a different cooker, <laughs> and uh, and like who was out that day? All of the ESB people. So like. Everybody's job is difficult. Everybody's job is interesting. And sure, you know, it comes back to what we started talking about. We know like our work. And if we like what we're doing, sure, you never work a day in your life. Then if you know what I mean by that. I suppose I, that, that's as well put as I could have, have put it. Um, like you said, that story there with the turkey and you went to another neighbor's house. That, it all comes back to, to I suppose, community. What do you, what does community mean to you and I suppose the different areas you go around to? <clears throat> well, 
the late Bernard Collins always said to me, start at home and work out. Like where I'm talking to now this minute is the house that I was brought into when I was brought home from hospital by my mother and father. And I'm here since. Uh, and, and I hope that this is where I'll be taken out of with my toes cocked out the door in front of me. Because to me, I'd never want to live anywhere else. I'd never want to be in another house. I'm. Uh, this is where I am. And one of the most important things to me is the people that are around me. And my neighbours to the left, to the right, to behind, to in front of me. I adore every one of them. We all get on terrible good. And it isn't as though we'd be in each other's pockets or bothering each other. But we all know that we're there for each other if we're wanted. And all we need to do is literally shout out the door and say, I need help. And by God, the help will be there to you. So th that's what you need with your neighbours. You need people that you can call upon if you want them. And, and they're not there if we don't need them, if you know what I mean. And uh, we have a great relationship, all of us around here. And in the parish of Kilgarvan that I'm from, I'm extremely proud of our parish, of our hurling tradition, our football tradition, the, the local show committee, the tidy towns, the Machna Ferma that was here in the past. I remember being uh, attending Machna Ferma meetings years ago as a youngster. And uh, we have a great sense of community here and all everybody wants to do is try and get on the best way we can. We had great people in our parish over the years. You obviously have massive the, the plantar business and stuff and a lot of people would know that farming is obviously a big a big part of, of your, your life. And I remember, was it on the late, late, you were telling the story there one day, you went into a shed and there was a cow after calving and, and you had a bit of a, a run-in with him. Has that farm been in the family for years or yes it, it has and the thing about farming is that didn't that any of the old places we have didn't that they might be up to much but every place that anybody has to their own and uh, do not especially somebody who's on the road a lot you'd like being at home and being able to do all little jobs for yourself and like i said didn't didn't that is anything special or anything grand but everybody's own old corner is their own corner and would like to be trying to improve things away a little bit. The people that own land, people in cities mightn't understand this and other politicians mightn't understand it. It isn't that you actually own it. I suppose it owns you in that you're a custodian of ground. You don't own it because you can't carry it with you. The people that I know and the very vast majority of people in Ireland, actually, they don't sell land. If we looked at the statistics, People don't look at it as an asset or a, or a commodity. It's just something that you have, you mind. If you can make a few pound out of it, you you do. A lot of the time you might actually lose it, but that's a different story. But all we're trying to do is keep the whole thing going in the best way you can. Good big farmers. who, But things like that don't fall out of the sky to anybody. You have to work at it. And you have to, you know, people that bought more ground and things, they borrowed money, they struggled, they worked. And, you know, they find it very disheartening then sometimes when government aren't working with them, when they're working against them. But we won't get into that now, not to be making a political broadcast out of it. But all I'm just saying is that farmers, you know, they deserve an awful lot of credit because in bad weather, you know, trying to, trying to work and trying to keep going. And sometimes it's a difficult and sometimes it's a lonely life, remember. Because an awful lot of the time, the work that a farmer, be it he, he or she, the work they're doing, they're working on their own. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're 
they're milking cows on their own, they're after sheep on their own, they're going up the mountain on their own, and um, an awful lot of the adversity that they have, they're facing that on their own. And even like, when I say on their own, or you could have a married couple, for example, but you're, they're not holding hands and they're out doing their work. In other words, they're on their own, maybe doing their jobs every day. And like, like the way farming is gone, one of the people might have to hold down a job and it could be the woman could be at home farming or it could be the man that is at home farming or neither might be at home. They might be doing it in the evenings and at the weekends, like a lot of people have to do. Absolutely. Um, I remember when I was above in the matter after my accident, you came in, you came in to me with the, your book, um, Time to Talk, and it was a kind of a collection of stories that you kind of put together. When did you, what gave you the inspiration to put pen to paper? Do you know, to be honest with you, because I was asked, I, I do not, would you just remind me of one thing again? Who did I carry to see you that night? Did I Lucy Kennedy. Lucy Kennedy. Lucy Kennedy. One day trying to think who went with me. I knew that somebody went with me. Um, Lucy Kennedy went with me to visit you. And, you know, to be fair about it, and you were after an awful ordeal, and you were after an awful, you know, life-changing event. And and like I always said, you, you rose from that in a way that not many other people could. But uh, Lucy, if you can remember the same night... You know, I don't know which one, if he was the bigger bligard, because <laughs> he was bligarding you, and you were bligarding her. And <laughs> it was in the middle of the two of you, laughing at the whole thing. And uh, in fairness, it is an awful, unusual thing to say, but we went to visit you maybe at a low time in our life. But you must admit, when you think back in it, that night we had some crack, like for, for people that were visiting a, a young man that was, you know, very, very ill at the time and that was going through an awful lot in our whole family. But like, it, 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 I couldn't think of it for a second. But when I think back, no, no, I knew it was somebody that made a big impression. And she certainly, I picked her up uh, at her house and we went out to the to the hospital. It was to the, out to Dunleary. We went to see you to the National Rehabilitation, I think. We, we had a good time with her talking to anyone who were an awful, impressionable young man altogether. And she was very glad to meet you. And she actually talked about you a lot. Uh, the last day I was with her at something, we actually went to Brendan Grace's funeral together. And again, it is an awful thing to say, we were at a funeral, but we had a great time remembering uh, things that Brendan Grace had done and his visits to Kerry. And she knew him from her circles in Dublin and things. Coming back to what you asked me about the book, uh, I didn't really think of, of uh, writing the book. It was the people who published the book uh, that came to me and asked me, would I write a book? And I told them I couldn't. I told them I wouldn't be able to. But uh, they said that uh, they'd get what was called a ghost writer. Now they had to explain what that meant to me because I'd be honest, I didn't understand what that was. And they explained it and they got a very, very nice lady uh, to work with me on the book. But there was one deal that we made that in keeping with my job and not letting anything interfere, uh, you know, with the phone or, or or with the service that you give politically. I said the only time that I'd allow myself to write the book or work on the book was between 12 o'clock at night or 7 o'clock in the morning. But after 7 o'clock in the morning or before 12 o'clock at night, I wouldn't give one minute working on the book. And through to her word, 
I, when we had that discussion, she said she had no problem in the world with that. And uh, that's exactly what we did. We we, we worked on the book uh, in the middle of the night, we'll call it. And uh, any hour, the two hours or three hours that we gave at it, that was the time we did it. And and we did a second one. Then afterwards, they asked me to do another one. And, and I did that. And they have actually been requested to do another one again. But I'll get around to that hopefully sometime too, Ian. Would you um would you go to any of the, the football or the hurling matches blown Kilgarvan? The, the the one thing about the football games, there's many is the game and even when my own young lads were playing that I'd love to be at. And unfortunately, yes, of course I do when I can, but I don't get to go to half the games that I'd like to go to. But uh, how would I put this? It is the same with a lot of other aspects of life. There's things we'd like to go to, but we just can't. One thing that takes a lot of time is the scheduled clinics. And you see, when you have scheduled clinics, it like like last night now was a clinic night. And those clinics started at, I think it was five o'clock. And they would have went on, we'll say I was home at half past one. And like, if any other thing came up yesterday evening, you actually couldn't go to it because your ads are out. It's in the local advertisers. The posters are up in the different venues. There's people might or might not be going to see you, but you have to take it that they are. So when you have a lot of scheduled clinics, that's an awful lot of evenings or a lot of nights or Saturdays. There's this big clinic in Scott's Hotel in Killarney. It was where my father did clinics all of his life. And uh, that's a regular on a Saturday. And, you know, Tralee, and all the other areas, Killarney. And like when you're covering all of Kerry, it's a very big place. So that's a big commitment in itself. So no matter what would come up, when you have other engagements, you, you start to can't go. So you're not your own boss, if you know what I mean, like that. So in this in this uh, way of life, it isn't what you want to do. You don't have that luxury. You 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 can only, how would I say, you, you can only go where you're able to go. Um, I hadn't been out of the country with an awful long time and Myself and Eileen and Kevin and um, and uh, Jackie, we went away for three days there a couple of weeks ago, and that didn't work out too good because we were we were to go for three days, and after two days I had to come home uh, unexpectedly, and uh, it sort of taught me a lesson. I'll be thinking a long time before I'll go again because it is nearly easier to stay at home. I think the last time I was out of the country was seven or eight years ago, but I don't really like airplanes and I don't really like traveling. But now long ago, it used to be different. My mother, she gave 27 years uh, every winter going to the same hotel, the same room, room 902 in, in the hotel in Fungarola. And I used to often go out to meet her. And uh, when the children were small, we used to take them for a week's holidays what we call a sun holiday, and then every alternate year we go to Galway and Clifton and places like that, and up around uh, Ornmore and all that. I really like that side of the country, and we'd go up by Clare and things. Nowadays, anyway, I wouldn't have the inclination for travel as such. I was the chairman of the European Union Affairs Committee there for a number of years, but you can be sure of one thing. I, I dedicated a lot of the travelling anyway because I wasn't anxious for it myself. But uh, there was a very good vice chairman and he was interested in travel and he did he did all the, what we'll call, foreign stuff and I took care of things at home. 
your happy out to do that. So um, yeah. now, nowadays, um, I wanted to ask you, social media and stuff is obviously a massive a massive thing and there's good going on in social media and there's bad and stuff. But do you think that social media is kind of going out there now for politicians and like TDs to publish their brand out on social media? It is. You see, if it's used properly, sure, it's a great thing. Of course it is. Ian. But the only worry that I have about social media is the whole thing about that. If you put up something on social media today, right? that people look at that and they take that thing as being the gospel truth yeah. and that it's fact. And you see, in an awful lot of cases, it may not be. Don't mind the, the likes of me will say, if somebody says something about me on social media, I'll be honest with you, it, it doesn't knock a shake out of me and I don't really care. But but what about a young person? What about a teenager? What about a, a young boy or a young girl who's starting out in life? And if somebody says the way I describe it to you in an ordinary way, if they said something dirty or something untrue or something hurtful, we'll say, about those people. And if it upset their head then and maybe got into their head and, and you know, if they had this feeling that, oh, my God, everybody's talking about me and such so, so-and-so said something, it could have been about, oh, a boy going with a girl or a girl going with a boy or, or any type of thing and, and that they didn't like it. And if it upset them, my God, isn't that an awful side of social media then, you know? And that's the worry I have about social media. So <laughs> people have to be careful about it too and not to take everything that's said or shown on social media as, oh, well, that's an absolute fact because it may very well not be. And one thing that I definitely don't agree with, if if somebody wants to say something about Ian O'Connell or about Michael Ray, that's fine. But their name should be put it. And it should be a case of that that you'd know who said such a thing. But this thing of made up names and all that sort of thing on Facebook and this whole rubbish, like you should be accountable for what you say. You should be responsible for what you say. And if I make a statement about somebody or if I'm putting out a message, it should be clearly identifiable that as I said it and 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 not be hiding behind something else. And, and, you know, I said it one time before about people going around saying awful things and horrible things and hating people that they don't even know. And that is a fact. And there is people out there that do that. And I mean, it's not just that that could go into the footballing world or to the world of politics or the world of entertainment. You'd have people saying awful things about people and sure they wouldn't even know them. They wouldn't know anything in the world about them. Don't, don't criticize somebody until you know them. Yeah, I've been saying for ages that you should need to show a passport or something when you're making an account. Yeah, well, I'd agree, and it should definitely be traceable back to the person because um, I know that I, I know that I have a few followers anyway, and I think I'd love to know who they are because they seem to be hell bent on just being nasty and do not wouldn't they come out and say who they were and don't yeah. mind hide. And don't mind, don't mind being a sort of a, a coward on the ditch. like. And I have no problem in the world with somebody being saying in my my world of politics, I have no problem in the world in somebody coming out and saying that I'm wrong or that they don't like me because of this or that or the other thing. But say who they are. Don't mind, don't mind hiding about it. 
Do not come out and say, my name is so, and I'm from such a place, and I don't like such a person because of this or that. But don't mind. And then dirty talk about people and, you know, using bad language and things. That's not nice. The only time a person should use bad language is if something hits your thumb or something or falls in your toe. You're off up to Dublin tomorrow. And for, you are explaining to me there one day, for like a, a TD now going up to to Dublin, up to the to the hours and stuff and what's the you would you go up on the Tuesday and how many days during the week are you in for you see you see as such your routine should be that you're gone three days a week at least but you see it 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 doesn't always work out as simple as that because there's other Aractus committees that you would have to be there for and then there's times that you'd be in Dublin and you'd have to come down We'll say they're transition year students now. I'd come down to give talks in schools. I'd come down to do oral hearings with the Department of Social Protection and with the Department of Agriculture. And what that is, that could be somebody who's in trouble. It could be over a farm payment or a social protection payment. And they might have failed through the that system and they get a thing, thing called an oral hearing. And you're entitled, we'll call it for all intents and purposes, it's like a court case. And you come down as a witness to support your constituent. And uh, you might drive down from Dublin, go in, do the oral hearing. It could take 20 minutes. It could take an hour and 20 minutes. You would sit into the car and straight back up the road again. You wouldn't even get, uh, we'll say, call at home because you wouldn't have time because you might be racing back up the road again to go to um, a vote or go to a meeting or just to talk in the doll. You might have a speaking time. So... Uh, again, it's busy, but like it's the same as, uh, you know, Martina in the, in the office, she always says to me that if I'm not busy, I'm, I'm not happy. In other words, the busier it is and the harder it is, to be honest, that's the more I like it. And, you know, if a day is challenging and if there's an awful lot of things on and if we're trying to split yourself and, and be, a, you know, a lot of different things to a lot of different people, like, yes, that might be a challenge. But I like it that way because it's more of a challenge than when we are up against the clock and when we're trying to rush and trying to go here and go there. And uh, it, 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 there's an element of, of uh, I don't know what you would call it, is it like a drill or, or what is it that keeps you going? But something keeps you going anyway. And and the one thing, it is like everything, it's like a person playing football for Kerry. You know, you have your time. You're on the treadmill, you're on the, the clock, and you have your turn. And the one thing I always say, and I'm always conscious of it, your time, your day doesn't always last. And uh, and then it's some other person. And when I go to schools and when I give talks to young people, I always say to people, like, okay, certain people might be in different positions now, whether it's on the Kerry team or the Kerry political team, but other people will be in it in the future. And those people are the younger people of today. And I'd always, you know, be very conscious of that, you know. Absolutely. Coming up to Christmas now, will you have any, any time to wind down any bit or will you be still tipping away all through? Oh, I will. But I'd, uh, I'd get a chance to do what I'd call ordinary work for myself and doing a few jobs around and uh, and simple things then, very ordinary things. I, I like walking, but I don't get to walk every day or every night. But when I can, I like it. And then, of course, 
simple things that I wouldn't get to do other times of the year, calling to the neighbours and uh, draw, having a bit more time to talk to people and to look around you, even if it was only for a few days. That's a great thing in itself. Everybody sort of drops a gear, if you know what I mean, at Christmas time, and, and rightly so. And uh, it's terribly important that people do that because, you know, we're all rushing and we're all rushing. But it's a bit like Groucho Marx said one time, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Well, it is the same thing as that. We'd all like to have a bit of time for ourselves. And that doesn't happen all the time. But Christmas time is one time that it does happen. Absolutely. Michael, I've been I've been asking you now so long to get you on and I've probably been driving you mad, but thanks so much for, for coming on. But I'm delighted that we got to do it tonight. And again, I'm asked to do lots of things, but being on with Eno O'Connell, I consider it a privilege and an honour and uh, I wish you every good look with Stand Out and, and your work on Radio Kerry and your other work, which you do as what I would call an inspirational person for both young and old, up and down the length and breadth of the country. Everybody knows you, know, O'Connell, and everybody appreciates you for the great work and positive work that you do and your positive outlook. And by God, a share of people that will be complaining over nothing they want to take a bit of a look at you know, O'Connell and realise that they should be more like you than anyone else. Thanks a million, Mike. Give my, give my regards to Eileen and the family and best, have a good Christmas, all right? I will. Thanks very much for the opportunity. Now, unfortunately, that's all we have time for tonight. I hope you all enjoyed the show and thanks a million for joining in and listening today on this Wednesday evening. Um, I suppose a massive thanks as well to Michael Hillary for coming on today because... He's um he's a very busy man and I, I know I know well how busy he is all around the the country up and down to Dublin and, and everything and, and the people of Kerry. So I appreciate his time coming in today to to talk to me um to talk to me this Wednesday evening. Um if you have any questions or requests for next week's show, you can drop me a message on my Instagram, enoconnell three two one, or drop me an email, ioconnell at radiocarry.ie. Stay tuned into Radio Kerry because Brian Priestley is up next with that's Shaz. I'll be back at the same time next Wednesday night from 8 to 9 p.m. Until then, stay safe and mind yourself. You're listening to Stand Out with Eno Connell. Wednesday evenings from 8 p.m. here on Radio Kerry.